nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of, of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than, than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash, uh, we've got our friends here at the, the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sports books do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get money. This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome to a very different episode of the Shoot Once Podcast. Uh, for, for full disclosure, again, the Shoot Once Podcast, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, this episode is actually being being recorded on Monday night. The uh, reason for that being is I'm taking a bit of a trip. By the time you guys are listening to this, I'll be running around Disney World and, and having a silly time doing that and having a, a what I'm sure will be a delightfully exhausting vacation. So... Tonight we're going to kind of, with the trade deadline coming up, and there's moves happening all the time, uh, anything I say can very easily be outdated by Thursday morning when you hear this. So this is a bit of a trickier episode. Um, The Jackets haven't played, obviously, since we did the last episode. So what I'm going to do is it's kind of a... I know a lot of places are doing their their trade deadline previews, and they're talking about, oh, who's out on the market and who could you go for? When we've talked about it on this show, the Blue Jackets are in a very different place than a lot of teams because it's not a year where you're loading up for a cup run, but you're also not going into or in the midst of a hard rebuild. You are... I would I would put it in you're in those final stages of the build. You're, you know, you're at a point where what you're doing is taking effect. You have a good team. You just I mean if you could add a piece that would be good, but the idea is you need a piece for the longer term. Uh when you're in a build like this, it's different than what they did last year cuz last year they had a chance to go for a cup with the with with still and Panarin and Vrovsky on the roster. This year, I mean, who knows? I mean, anytime you get into the playoffs, if they get in, anything could happen. Maybe you do happen to get a lucky cup. Who knows? Those things can happen because hockey's a goofy sport. It's it's frozen rubber on ice. But a- any move you make today 
like last year's moves were all made for the idea of we're making a run this year. We're taking a chance. That's not going to be the, the mindset going into the trade deadline for Yarmo Kekalainen. And it, what may happen, and this wouldn't surprise me, because people all around the hockey universe, even the people who are supposedly in the know on things, seem to have a recency bias when it comes to Columbus. And a recency bias is just what it sounds like. The most recent action you've seen somebody take, that's what you assume they're like. So they saw Yarma making all those moves last year at the trade deadline. Like, okay, Yarma might try and load up and go for something again, but it's a totally different situation now. Yarmo's talked about he's not giving up the first round pick. Yarmo is talked about anything we do this year is going to make us better in the future. And so that's why any any moves aren't going to be about uh, I mean if it helps this season that's good but when people are mentioning when you start seeing articles and they're like oh they might go for these people in trades they might go for these people I saw uh, the Athletic put out their article of the who says no uh, version of the article where they just put up trades people have said and they go to NHL managers and they don't say who they are obviously and they say hey what do you think of this and they give their who says no and quite a few of them that were speculating were saying, oh, the Blue Jackets go for this person. And so many of them were for people who were going to be UFAs. And it was like trading away like Milano and Nudavara and a first to get a, a UFA, uh, to get a guy who's going to be a UFA on July 1st. Those aren't going to happen. Nothing like that's going to happen. It, I, I could almost see more of the Blue Jackets trading away a big name on this roster to get pieces for the future than the other way around. Now, I don't think either is going to happen, again, because of where the Blue Jackets are in their build, but I think that either, I, I don't think that, they're, they're not trading away two or three pieces. They're not doing another deal like they did for Duchesne or, or anything like that from last season. So, how I'm going to look at it is, I've broken down the Blue Jackets roster into three categories. Now, this is my interpretation of where management sees these players. And I will explain where my opinion is different. And the first tier is you got to blow me away to make a trade for this player, meaning you better be offering me the world if you want this guy or half your roster. Somebody in the in the athletic one tried to make some offer where the Blue Jackets would, would trade for Jack Eichel out of Buffalo, and the offer was just sad. I mean, I mean, if you were trading for Jack Eichel, if I'm Buffalo, for me the price would start at Wierenski Dubois plus. If I'm trading away Jack Eichel, I mean it's that's that's what I would think of him as a player. You just you don't trade away your franchise centerpiece unless you're getting a centerpiece plus back. I mean that that's the whole point of the trade. If you're not better, if you don't think you're better after a trade, you never do it. Um, now the difference the difference in what can make a trade a fair trade or an unfair trade, or what what one side looks can be perspective. Again, the Blue Jackets made trades last year at the trade deadline. That made them better immediately, which is what they valued. But the other team said, hey, we're going to be better in the future because of this, which is what they valued. That's what you're looking for. You're looking to, if a trade's going to happen. Now, sometimes you get a fleecing where somebody trades something. You're just like, wait, what? Like when the Devils did the one-for-one haul, one haul for Larson a few years back. Uh, I mean, that was completely nuts. I mean, just because there was so much value going one way and so little value going the other. Again, I'm not out here saying Adam Larson's a bad player, but he's not He's not to the caliber of a Taylor Hall. And you should get... If you're trading away Taylor Hall, you should have got a lot more than one defenseman. Anyway. So, uh, my second tier is... Hmm. Where if I heard this player's name involved in a trade or this happened, I wouldn't be shocked. 
But I'd be like, that's interesting. Let's, what what happened here? Who did we get? And why is this, why was this the move the club made? Then I have three in, oh yeah, that happened. You know, just kind of a tier of, yeah, those are what's going to, yeah, oh, that name moved and no big deal. I understand. that. I, I kind of half expected that. And this 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 category became a lot bigger than I thought. Now, part of the reason this list these lists are so long for me is I'm including pretty much anyone who's either on the roster right now or on the injured reserve. So there's more players than just a normal roster. But my number one tier in the Blow Me Away, it is Pierre-Luc Dubois, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Kim Atkinson, Zach Wierenski, and Seth Jones. If I had to pick a group of players that the Blue Jackets said, where's their core right now? These are the players I would pick. You have Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, a number one center, a guy who's going to be just be getting better. He's really young. He's only 21 now. He's going to be under team control for a long time. You've got Oliver Bjorkstrand, a great scoring r- winger who I think is just getting better. I think can project to be a top-line winger. Uh, in the NHL can become a guy who's a consistent 30 goal scorer. He's still young, got a lot of time to build up and become a better player. So I am very excited out of what I'm seeing out of him. Uh, Cam Atkinson. The reason I've got him listed where I do is as of now, the team considers him their top scoring threat. I think now he's had his struggles this season, a lot of it being injuries. And maybe if the injuries continue, he drops out of this. Um, or if when he comes back from injury, he's not the same, he drops out of this. But I still think the club views him as one of their central pieces in how they've built this team. And the next one's Wierenski and Jones. There is almost no argument. I mean, there's almost no reason that I have to give, but I will. Seth Jones is, is a guy who, when he's healthy, and right now that's been most of his career. This is the first real long-term injury he's had since he's been in the NHL. And it's the kind of injury that projects to, to hopefully heal up really well. He's starting to get that annual Norris talk that we're talking about. He's only 25. I mean, he's going to be on this team, I think, for a long time to come. He's great. He provides a great defensive presence. He can thread the needle on defenses and drive and make scoring chances at times. He's amazing. Zach Wierenski, I mean, he's a defenseman who leads the league in goals by a defenseman. He's great. He is a great player. He's a great offensive defenseman. I think people underrate how good he is defensively as well. Um, there's still time. He's still learning a lot, which is to be understood for a player who's 22. I mean, that's something else about Zach Rinsky that's crazy. He's 22. I mean, he is, he's one year older than Pierre-Luc Dubois. This, this team is so young. That's part of what's crazy about it. Zach Rinsky, after two more years, he's got this year and two more years left on his deal. Then his next contract is another RFA deal which you can be certain that's going to be some 8 by 9 or 8 by 10 or whatever the salary caps that's going to determine it, but or the CBA at that point. But the Blue Jackets are, are not going to let Zach Rinsky get away. These are players where if someone wanted them off the Blue Jackets roster, it's gonna, it would have to be huge. Like it would have to be another franchise centerpiece like Zach I mean, a similar type player. Even like a top three pick in the draft wouldn't do it. You'd have to have that package with other things. Because we've all seen top three picks that busted. So, I I mean, it would have to just be an incredible take. So, that's why these guys are in my, you have to blow me away category. I think these guys were so as close to untradeable as it becomes on the Blue Jackets. 
Now, again, there's the old adage in hockey, Wayne Gretzky was traded, anyone can be traded. That's true. But, again, these are things where you would have to blow me away. You'd have, I think in Blue Jackets management eyes, that's what would have to happen. Number two, which is a little bit of a longer list. What's interesting is the one where I'm just like, eh, yeah, that guy gets traded is my, is my longest list, which is strange. But the, hmm, you made me think. Gustav Nyquist, Nick Foligno, Jonas Corposalo, Elvis Mertz Lincolns, Boone Jenner, Alexander Tessier, Texier, Al- <laughs> I'm having a hard time with names tonight, Vladislav Gavrikov, my brain's already in vacation mode, Andrew Peake, and uh, Bemstrom. Now, why I've got these guys in the hmm category is a combination of two things. One, their status is on the team, and two, what management thinks of them. Gustav Nyquist was a great free agent signing, probably one of the better free agent signings Jarmar Gekalainen's had. Nick Foligno is the heart and soul of this team. He's a good two-way player. Uh, he's got two years left on a contract, then he's probably retiring. Maybe he goes somewhere else. I don't see the Blue Jackets resigning him for... Maybe they do it for like a one- or a two-year deal or something. I, I could see that, just a one- or two-year deal. Um, but I, I, he's a good player. He fills his role very well. I, I like him on this team. Corpus Allo and Merz Lincolns. The reason they're both in this hmm list is that I will be surprised when one of them gets traded. Honestly, though, I do expect one of them to be. I'll be almost as interested in that just in the thought of the team has decided which goaltender is the goaltender for the long term. And then obviously you want to see what the return is going to be for what you consider to be a good goaltender. Because both Corpus Allo and Merz Lincolns are good. Um, it's tough to say right now who you'd want to go with. I think Merz Lincolns takes it by a hair, but I just, you want to see them both play longer. That's where I'm at there. Uh, Boone Jenner, the organization loves this guy. They love his work ethic. They love what he brings to the game. Even though his expected goals for is not the best on the team, I, I think he is a player that I kind of think the organization looks at him as uh, a less skilled. Oh, I have to explain this. I'll have to explain this metaphor a little bit. A less skilled Yarmir Yager. What I mean by that is I don't think they see his playing style being Yager or anything, but it became legendary how when young players would come to whatever team Yarmir Yager was on they would see how hard he worked and said, that's how hard I have to work. And I think that's the level of of uh, respect the organization has for Ben Jenner. They see him as a very hardworking player, willing to do anything he needs to do to help his team. And I do think he's a good influence on the group as far as generating that culture of hard work and, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I would be surprised for them to move him. I think the price has to be interesting. You don't see much on trade boards, but I, I think he's... I would be surprised if that happened. Alexander Texier... A very skilled guy who might be a great center for this team in the future. It's not the kind of thing you trade away when you don't know what you have yet. I mean, he he's shown flashes of greatness, and then he got hurt. So it's tough. Um, but I would be very surprised to see him move. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. He's going to be the number three defenseman on this, to- on this team in a few years. Or maybe in a couple of years. I'm not sure. Um... I, he shows the ability to do lockdown defense with also having more offensive touch. And so I think he's a very good player. Andrew Peake, again, similar, just a really good defenseman. His showing flashes of that, of that offensive prowess. And he's so young, so young. That's the thing that's amazing about that. Uh, and then Bemstrom. 
Uh, I think they really like Emil Bemstrom's shot. I think Emil Bemstrom is a guy who they see, you know, even though he's he's just 20 right now, they see him developing into a high a, a higher end scorer, a good second third line winger who can score throughout his career. So that that's a that's a a similar thing you're seeing in in a lot of the guys who I see as the hmms, is that these are guys who either can score or show a ability to make things happen for his scores. And so far on these two, this is where I think the team's at, and I'm not necessarily in disagreement with any of these. Um, and then the number three, where when they get traded, they'll be like, oh, okay, Tell, give me the details. I'm not too surprised. Most of these I'm not going to go that far into because when you hear the name, you'll be like, oh, okay, if we traded for him and if we traded this guy, we got a decent return. That's fine. Uh, Nash, Riley Nash, who, I mean, as far as a free agent acquisition and for how much he gets paid, I think he's been kind of a disappointment overall. At times he's good. But for the for the fact, I mean, and you're only paying him 2.75 million, and the contract's only got one more year left on it, so it's not it's not bad. But you know, when he's done, he's done. I don't think there's any desire necessarily to keep him on long term. The next one in my probably category is one I've got a star in next to, meaning I disagree with the team. You get the feeling that Sonny Milano could be traded at any time, and I think that would be a big mistake. And the reason I say you get that feeling is because he gets scratched so often. Now, maybe that's a disconnect, or maybe that's one of those things between Torts and the front office that I don't understand. Maybe the front office loves Milano and would never trade him. I don't know. I mean, obviously, anybody could be, but whenever you see Milano out there on the ice, he's making opportunities happen. And and he's the kind of player that the Blue Jackets need more of. So to trade him away doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think he's a very good player who's still growing into what he is. Again, he's only 23. He's still a very young player. So I think he's got a lot to learn as he gets gets going there. Um, the next one I got listed is Kevin Stenland. Kevin Stenland is a player who... Now this, this may change because if the organization comes to view him as a center and as a long-term prospect for like a, a, a third-line center or something, or maybe even a second-line center, then he goes on to the hmm list. So that one could change. That one is, eh. I think right now, if you if you saw him traded tomorrow, you wouldn't be overly shocked because nobody knew anything about him before this year, but I think he's moving his way up the list. Jacob Lilja, he's a fine player, but he's 26, and there's no promise he's getting off that fourth line. Um, so I just, at times he looks good, but again, so do all the players. They're NHL players. They should look good at times. But again, if he was traded, wouldn't be surprised. Cole Sherwood. Again, he's a fine player, but that's where he's at. Nathan Gerby. Again, more fine players. Next group is where it is. I'm going to talk about them all in one grouping because that's really how this deserves to be discussed. Marcus Nudavara, Scott Harrington, Gabriel Carlson, and Ryan Murray. I think the I think the thing is most of the defensemen that are not. Warinsky Jones, uh, Gavrikov, and Peak could be moved because I think the team sees there's just so many of these good defensemen, defensemen that would be probably second pair defensemen on most NHL teams, and that the Blue Jacks are just going to have too many. I, I didn't, and I get that right now people are saying, oh, well, you got a defenseman hurt, so you can't trade one away. Between we've got, uh, you know, we've got Kukin out, we've got, we've got Seth Jones out. No, you can still trade one. 
of the seven healthy defensemen on our roster right now, Zach Rinsky, David Savard, Marcus Nudevara, Scott Harrington, Vladislav Gavrikov, Andrew Peek, and Gabriel Carlson, you can trade one. And and the thing is, too, people are making, talking about this like the next... If you can make a trade, trading one of them, and it hampers us a little bit over the next couple of months, but it makes the team better for the next four or five years, you make the deal because that's where this team is at right now. I mean, yes, you want to make the playoffs this year. But as we've discussed on this show, I think 21-22 season is really where this team starts seeing this is our championship window. This is where we think guys are going to be developed enough and playing well enough that that's our championship window and that's where we're really trying to go for here. Um, I, I really think that's what you're looking at. So I w- if they if they made a move to move any one of those defensemen, even now when we've got injuries, makes total sense to me especially how things have gone. I, I honestly think one of the slight blessings for Columbus heading into this trade deadline is that in this week, and by the time you listen to this, you'll know how one of these games gone. Heck, if you listen to it late, maybe you'll know if both of these games went. But this week before the trade deadline, having these two games against the Flyers may be helpful in clarifying some things. Because if the Blue Jackets win both and start to maybe make some distance in this playoff chase... Maybe you then look at this season and go, okay, hold tight, keep our keep our uh, keep our assets right where they are, and we will just go forward and try and see what we can do this season. If you lose both, and teams start passing you in the standings, maybe going into the trade down the line, you say, okay, maybe this year we're not, you know, if there's something that makes us better over the next few years, let's not become so in love with the idea of making the playoffs this year that we pass up on something better for next. And in that, the number one in my mind is David Savard. If you can trade David Savard to a contender right now, you do it. Because David Savard has got two years left on his deal. He will never have more value than he has right now. He's a really good defenseman who plays really well, has two years left on his deal. If a team comes knocking and says, give us this, give us David Savard and we'll give you this. Because I've heard people talk about the uh, trading uh, like Marcus Nudevara for Kasperi Kapanen at a, at a Toronto. I've probably floated that that vote that a few times. But if you get him to take the Savard instead, where you're getting the younger player in the deal, where you're getting somebody still under team control for a while, and you're giving them someone who's going to UFA, I would be happy with that. And honestly, if you're, if you're Toronto, with where you're at, the fact that you're wanting defensemen who play defense, who try and make life a little easier on Frederick Anderson... I would probably want Savard. If I if I turn on my TV trade deadline morning or any look at Twitter sometime between now and then and I see Savard for Kasperi Kapanen straight up, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. To make this team better at scoring and to give up like David Savard, a player who in two years, who, and because again, when I'm talking guys about this 2020, this 21-22 year window, and by that I mean the year 2021-2022, that season, David Savard will be a UFA. I don't know if he'll still be on this team. So trading him now to get something to make you better going forward is probably the right move. Um, and then I've got Wenberg, Kukin, which I, I, I the Wen, Kukin is just another one of the defensemen one. Wenberg, I think, self-explanatory in that we have a defenseman who's or a, a centerman who's really good at defensive and shows promise in in his in his offensive skills, but just. It's never developed, and maybe it still will. Maybe it will. It'd be nice to see that. I just, it hasn't happened yet. And you know what? If you can get something for him, 
that you think is maybe a little bit of a better chance or maybe you trade him to a rebuilding team and they have him as kind of their solid third line center. I don't know. It just, it wouldn't surprise me if he was gone. The last one that I'm going to talk about tonight, and he's got a big star next to his name is Josh Anderson. Now there's a story that came out tonight. Um, I'm speculating that the Boston Bruins are big on the idea of getting Josh Anderson. Uh, Here's the thing. If I'm the Blue Jackets, the only reason you trade Josh Anderson is if you don't think he's going to re-sign with you long-term. Because it's another question. If you listen to me talking with the guys from the the Blue and Gold Make Darlene podcast a couple weeks ago, what the Blue Jackets want is more scoring talent. Trading Josh Anderson does not get you that. I mean, unless somehow you get a better player in the deal. Uh, But, I mean, Josh Anderson is 25. You're going to have the RFA deal there. Trading him just to trade him. I mean, he's going to be a great winger. He's been a good winger. He's going to get better. I mean, there's no reason to trade him in my mind because you're just trading him. And as soon as you trade him, you turn around and go, okay, well, we need that again. I mean, it's the this year. I don't know if you guys follow. You guys probably don't follow football, but as a Cleveland Browns fan, the Browns traded uh, one of our guards for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. out of, out of New York. All right, it was it was some crazy. It was like two or three deals. We did two deals in New York in a couple of days, and essentially, the long and short of it, we ended up losing a guard and a safety um, to get a wide receiver and a defensive lineman. The problem was, as soon as the guard was gone, it was immediately like, okay, well, now we need another one of those. And, I mean, the thing is, if you trade Josh Anderson, the Bru- what are the Bruins going to give you? I mean, I saw the return package they're talking about being uh, the first, the Blue Jets, or the Bruins' first round pick and a defensive prospect, which it's not a bad return, but you still need more scoring. Now, maybe you can turn that defensive prospect and that first round pick into something. I mean, it is just assets. So I guess it's the evaluation of whether you think those two assets are worth more than Josh Anderson. But, again, you're still looking for scoring. At the end of the day, someone's going to be able to score the puck in the net, and Josh Anderson's one of those players that, when healthy, can do it very well. So I, I, I think right now, I think management's looking at potentially trading him, but maybe not. I mean, he's still got RFA status, so so maybe they're confident they can re-sign him. I don't know. I hope for the best in all this. So... Thank you guys very much for listening um, to my strange, different type of show here. Hopefully all of this isn't blown up by the time you listen to it. But thank you very much for listening, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.